Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Harris Cherokee Resort. Find us online at caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I told you at the start of the week that the conversation around, you know, what happened at G-Day, that's more than just a one-day topic. You can't unpack it all because it's obviously Georgia playing against Georgia. So you're looking on one side of the ball to see this, and you have to look on the other side of the ball to see that. Sometimes you have to spend a lot of time just kind of unpacking everything that goes down. So obviously that will be ongoing for us here over over the course of this week and it's going to continue some today but if you don't mind though i, I want to before we get into some of that kind of stuff if you don't mind I, I do want to begin with this because in addition to the hey what happened at g-day the tendency to look back and see what just happened there will always be with dog nation uga fans and all of us this also temptation to look ahead what is coming next and i've told you before that i kind of view <laughs> g-day as the unofficial end to spring now the weather's not helping me out with this right now because it's not super warm today here in the state of georgia and then we got some cold weather coming the rest of the week here a little bit so it's not quite summer weather yet but i always kind of view the end of g-day as the start of summer and boy i really get the impression and jeff Sintel's done a good job of this uh at dognature.com by the way jeff gonna make a rare wednesday appearance on the show here coming up in just a couple of minutes so we'll do a lot more of this with Jeff in a moment, but based on some of the stuff that he's writing, based on some of the chatter in and around G-Day, some of the stuff we're seeing on social media, man, I really get the impression that this summer is going to be red hot when it comes to Georgia recruiting. Now, I say this for a couple of reasons. First of all, there's kind of the obvious take that and Georgia's been as as much of a machine as anybody can be when it comes to recruiting the last few years. But when you see the guys that Georgia currently has pledges from, plus the guys that Georgia seems to be in the mix for, now mathematically it's not possible to get all of them, but when you see what's kind of out there, you really get the impression that the sky is the limit for this 2022 recruiting class for Georgia. The possibility exists that this could be as good, if not better than any class that Kirby Smart signed at Georgia, and I say that knowing full well what some of those classes at UGA have looked like but the potential for the 2022 class right now would seem to be off the charts and that's a really fun thing to think about and then sort of bigger picture there's this in addition to the fact that Georgia has a chance to really help itself over the course of the next few weeks as we head towards the summer there's also just the thought that we're about to have something that feels like a very normal conversation as we move through June and have official visits and all those things taking place there you know the theme for this year the calendar year of 2021 is is getting sports back to normal making things feel the way they once did again and recruiting is going to be maybe our first big step in that direction with uh, college football we haven't gotten full stadiums yet we're hoping to get those in the fall we haven't gotten you know a lot of things that we're kind of used to you know tailgating travel a lot of those things we're hoping to get that in the fall and the the next big thing to kind of feel like normal again when it comes to college football is going to be recruits taking visits you know evaluations camps things like that all of that may feel pretty normal as we head towards the summer and i think that is really really good and if you're not quite so sure you're buying into all of this shit if you're not quite so sure where you you know kind of land and how you feel about all of this let me give you one piece of social media evidence that i think proves that i think it's been really interesting a lot of this has been on instagram some of it on twitter where what i'm about to show you in the video screen is coming from twitter five-star safety kamari wilson who i talked to jeff Sintel about a couple of weeks ago 
And Jeff kind of gave us the lowdown right there. Man, he has been super active on social media as of late, talking about UGA. Now, in fairness, he also gave you like a gigum Texas A&M tweet yesterday too. So it's not Georgia solely. And obviously, a lot of these guys just like kind of you know kind of getting the social media attention. And who wouldn't if you had the chance to get the attention the way these guys do? But Kamari Wilson, you know, with his Instagram stuff as of late, this cool thing on Twitter here where he shows off a a boss moves graphic. And I was talking to our producer for today, Connor Riley on the show on the off the air before the show started today and i asked him if he kind of took this to be the same thing that i take it to be and as someone who's like a sports car geek uh this is kind of really cool to me this graphic and y'all tell me if you feel the same way if you're watching on video anyway this graphic looks to me like an encased football card which is is a really really cool thing to do sports cards are obviously pretty hot and have been over the course of the last year and to see georgia kind of maybe leaning into a couple of acronyms here for a moment nli name image likeness nft non-fungible token to kind of get into some of these you know acronyms and kind of get it you know take advantage of what's hot here with that with kamari wilson with the graphic they share with him wilson good enough to share with us on social media i think that's a pretty big deal there and when jeff joins us here in a couple of minutes time we'll ask him hey you know is there anything to the fact that you know on instagram kamari's been saying all the things that he's saying on the uh, twitter they're kind of doing a lot of the stuff that he's doing and how does wilson fit into what is about to be a red hot june for george when it comes to recruiting we'll talk to jeff Sintel about that coming up in just a moment now let me kind of shift gears away from that and talk about something completely different before we get into more recruiting talk with jeff Sintel here in just a little bit we've had a couple of very interesting interviews on this show the last couple of days i would say starting with john stinchcomb on monday john obviously former you know elite all-american level offensive lineman at georgia he laid out some concerns that he has about the georgia offensive line uh after what you saw on g day after what you've heard from spring practices and kind of where he wants to see that group work during the summer connor riley uh who i mentioned a moment ago obviously uh, doing a good job covering the dogs for dog nation he was very clear yesterday about what he thinks his concerns are when it comes to this Georgia offensive line there as well and as you might imagine based on what we saw red team black team first and second team offense what we still want to find out who's the starter at left tackle as a for instance on that uh, it was obviously a topic that Kirby Smart got into in his post-game press conference on Saturday after G-Day there's a lot of position groups where Georgia is as deep and as loaded as any team in the country could be offensive line is for now it would seem one of those issues in which Georgia's trying to still figure out who its starting five is going to be. And Smart was asked, how do you evaluate what's going on with that group at the end of spring? And this is the opinion that Smart shared with us on Saturday. Take a listen to this. Well, it's all up for grabs. We'll review this tape, see how they did. Um, Jamari didn't get to practice all spring. He had a couple of practices he had to miss. So um, he may have been a little rusty out there today. Tate's been uh, in the thick of it. Tate's physical presence, uh, toughness. He's strong in the weight room. Being guard in the SEC, you got to have a firm pocket and you got to be able to move people. And uh, you go against the best defensive lines every year in our conference. And you got to have some mass. You got to have some guys that can that can sustain heavy rushers. And uh, we think Tate does a good job of that. Schaefer and Jamari have been splitting some reps, and then Jamari's been doubling up with trust. But, you know, we're not where we need to be, you know, in the offensive line. And if we're going to be a good team, we've got to protect the quarterback and we've got to be able to run the ball. And uh, that's one of the areas we're going to have to take uh, some of the largest leaps to get where we want to go uh, next season. 
So that's a pretty clear statement from Smart. We're not where we need to be. Starting jobs up for grabs right now. And obviously, I take what Kirby says there really seriously. But if I'm going to give you my opinion and you know, kind of share with you my expectation here, my assumption is still that the offensive line will be fine. Once they figure out who their five starters are going to be, uh, whether it's Salyer to guard, Salyer to tackle, whatever else, my assumption is this offensive line will still probably be fine as we head towards the upcoming season. I'm more confident in saying that, as a for instance, than I am in saying Georgia will for sure have two capable cornerbacks. I'm a little less sure about that than I am about the offensive line. I'll tell you that for one simple reason. If I were to ask you, what are the two big recipes for creating a successful position group in college football? I think you would probably say it's a combination of two things together. In a perfect world, you'd love to have measurable talent, and you would love for that measurable talent to be experienced. If you can pair experience with talent, then obviously at that point in time, you've got a pretty unbeatable combination when it comes to a position group. And when it comes to George with its secondary, there's clear talent there. Keely Ringo is a five-star. Jalen Kimber, highly rated recruit in his own right. Nylon Green, who we did not see on Saturday, highly rated recruit. There is measurable talent there in that secondary and at the cornerback position, but it's not quite experienced. So therefore, you say, you know you've got one of the components. You know you don't quite have another one of the components, and you're not quite so sure how that adds up together, what you're going to get on the field. In the case of the offensive line, though, once again, if you want to just keep this to kind of simplistic terms here for a moment, you know you've got measurable talent. Guys like former five stars Amarius Mims and Broderick Jones are fighting for playing time. And you've also got experience. Justin Schaefer's played a lot of football for Georgia at this point in time. Warren Erickson, excuse me, uh, Warren McClendon, returning starter now uh, after having kind of a freshman All-American type season a year ago. You know, even Erickson's played some, started a bowl game for you a couple of years ago. The offensive line is more of a spot where you can kind of pair that experience with the talent. And my guess is, like it is for a lot of position groups in college football, putting some experience with a lot of talent the odds of you finding five guys who can really play to me that seems pretty good especially given what smart acknowledged there that we probably didn't see the best of jamari salier on saturday wasn't in the game to begin the game moved around a little bit maybe been dealing with a little bit off the field there that's kept him away from spring practices smart kind of alluded to there and i don't want to oversimplify this as smart said if you are going to be a great football team given the defensive lines you're place you're facing the sec you better have that offensive line figured out i guess my assumption is that they probably will because the larger assumption i'm making on top of all of this is is that in 2021 it's not run the football to set up the pass it's not establish the run so the play action can work it's hey come out throwing and 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 softening up defenses stretching them vertically and at that point in time you've kind of got a defense kind of softened up to the point where now you can run the football and be effective doing so and georgia took strides towards doing that on saturday once again with jt daniels throwing it todd munkin calling up those plays and you know, I think in football, like life, everything is connected. And the work that you see in terms of the growth of the Georgia passing game, I think will eventually aid the offensive line, aid the running game, and everything that kind of goes along with that. So to kind of sum all of this up, the guests we've had on this week expressing offensive line concerns, you understand where that comes from. Kirby Smart saying that in no uncertain terms on Saturday, you understand why. This is something to pay attention to, but I don't think it's something to panic about. That There's a long summer to move through here to find five who are capable of playing and with the emergence of Tate Ratledge and the versatility of Jamari Salyer to go along with everything else that's also going on there. I still think the odds are pretty good that Georgia has themselves a pretty good five by the time they play Clemson to open up the month of September. Thank you.
My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Hello to you, and thank you for being with us. And a big thanks to our friends at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort for making it all possible, of course. Harris Cherokee Casino Resort makes it possible for us to be on video platforms like Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Twitch, uh, radio every single day at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and as a podcast, the Apple Player, the Google Player, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com, SoundCloud, so many different platforms for you to check us out and really appreciate you being a part of the program today and boy speaking of spring heading into summer great time to start thinking about getaways here and there is no better getaway short drive from atlanta than what my friends at harris cherokee casino resort can provide for you just two hour drive from the atlanta area whether you're talking about the original harris cherokee casino resort or harris cherokee valley river fun casino gaming experience which so many of us love to be a part of so much fun to be able to do but also gourmet dining at the harris Cherokee Casino Resort properties, uh, luxurious shopping, a world-class spa. The book is now open there as well. Sports gaming now taking place in the mountains of Western North Carolina to go along with all the other great entertainment options. This is a uh, just a wonderful, wonderful getaway and your chance to be a part of it. Uh, if you want to learn more about it, check out this website. It's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. That's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. And you can find out more about the uh, properties there, Harris Cherokee Casino Resort and Harris Cherokee Valley River. All right, before we get today, special guest appearance by Jeff Sintel, I want to go around the doghouse. Now, Mike Griffith normally joins us on Wednesdays. Mike, I believe, is going to be with us on Friday this week. But normally on Wednesdays, I do want to give a quick shout out to Mike because I thought Mike's interview, boy, this was a long one now. Listen, sometimes I think I do some long interviews around here. Uh, Mike really went deep with the SEC Network's Cole Kublik for his show on Monday night, which was very timely. Cole had been the uh, sideline reporter and the analyst for the G-Day broadcast, along with his typical colleagues, Jordan Rogers and Tom Hart. Uh, Cole was there at Sanford Stadium on Saturday, so he had a chance to see G-Day up close and personal. If, so if you want to kind of get a... A really good behind-the-scenes look at what Cole saw by hanging around UGA uh, for G-Day on Saturday. This is a really good chance to do that. Good job of Mike Griffith on this interview. And as a way of kind of teasing you to get you to listen and watch the full thing, I want to give you a little taste of of Cole Kublik talking about JT Daniels. This, to me, is really interesting. And I have to admit that a lot of what Cole says here echoes some of the assumptions that I maybe at one point in time had about JT Daniels and how much Daniels actual persona Georgia has confounded a lot of the things that I thought I may know about him based on the profile I had of him coming from California this is very interesting from from Cole Kublik here on JT Daniels after Daniels had a big day on G-Day on Saturday take a listen to the SEC network analyst here I just think that maybe most people don't really know what their understanding should be because we haven't really had a chance to get to know him he hasn't spent a ton of time in front of the media. You know, he hasn't gone through SEC media days. He hasn't spent a ton of time in front of the camera, obviously only starting a quarter of the season at the end of the season. And I, I just think that people probably look at him and say, Southern California kid, obviously played at Southern California from South, Southern California. You know, he's got the he's got the, the surfer hair and the mustache, and people probably think that he's just this West Coast weirdo. And it couldn't be further from the truth. He, he is not someone that is playing football because of his talent. He's playing football because of how much he loves it. I think that's really interesting from Cole Cuba. Like, and as I said before, there were some assumptions that I probably had about JT Daniels before he came here. Kind of going to a fancy 
California high school, spending time at USC, you know, what Georgia was getting in this guy. There were probably some assumptions that I had about Daniels that have proven to be incorrect. I and I'm just being as honest with you as I can be. I really like him a lot more in terms of the image that he projects for Georgia. I really like him a lot more than maybe I assumed I probably would. Uh, this is not a transactional relationship here. It doesn't seem to be anyway. This thing of, well, you bring in a hotshot quarterback in the hopes that he can get you where you want to go, and then he bolts out the program to go on to the NFL and never thinks about Georgia again. That's not what seems to be going on here. You know, Daniels has really kind of planted himself some roots, it would seem, in Athens, and he is. And we've played a lot of the audio from his you know, press conference on Saturday he is an incredible spokesman for this program and you know when he's asked questions about other players he goes into great detail on this you know he's pretty clearly and uh, Cole in this interview went on to talk about all the film in which Daniels has studied going back to look at old stuff from Alex Smith and things like that as a way of bettering his game and you really get the sense that this is not something that Daniels is just faking. He's not putting on that, you know, aw shucks persona of I love to watch game film. You know, when he's asked questions about Darnell Washington, he goes into like about a 45 second dissertation about all the ways in which he's seen Washington grow or asked questions about Adonai Mitchell about why he was targeted so much on G-Day. And he goes into such detail both about Mitchell as a player and the kind of, you know, football philosophy that allowed, you know, Mitchell to be have the ball delivered to him as much as he was. This is going to clearly clearly puts a lot of thought into the game clearly puts a lot into that I think Georgia does well by having Daniel speak and be a vocal leader in, out in front in front of the media as much as possible but I, I think the way in which Daniels talks about the game obviously aids him in the way that he plays the game so Georgia seems to be right now as rock solid to start a season at the quarterback position as it has been under Kirby Smart both in terms of what Daniel seems to be capable of doing on the field his GD performance really validating what he did near the end of last season but also in terms of the way that that Daniels just embraces the leadership role and the attention and spotlight that comes from being a quarterback at a place like the University of Georgia it's not easy to do this job but for now Daniels really seems to be doing it well and you don't have to just take my word for it uh, Cole Kubik from the SEC Network kind of echoing some of the same stuff all right I'm going to get Jeff's intel here coming up in just a moment but as we wrap up around the doghouse here today let me also remind you that that ongoing right now is the week of giving with our friends of the UGA Alumni Association. Now, so many of the folks who tune in, watch, or listen to this show each and every day are really proud of the great work that the University of Georgia does to serve the current generation of students and preparing to serve the next generation of students. But beyond that, the research and all of the great work being done by the staff there at UGA, really making our country and our world a better place there as well. And of course, this is one of the big weeks we get a chance to show our gratitude for that by stepping up to support you've seen kirby smart whether it be videos on our website or across social media calling all dogs to get involved here for the week of giving and i want to let you know that we've got a few more days to take advantage of this it runs between now and april 23rd so if you haven't gotten in and uh submitted your gift as a part of the week of giving for the uga alumni association more time for you to be able to do that please don't forget there's some great incentives to get involved on this uh all uga alumni who make a donation right now are going to get a 20 percent discount to the UGA bookstore. We're there on Saturday 
The stuff that I'm wearing today, ironically, also came from the UGA bookstore there as well. So great looking apparel. A uh, 20% discount can come your way by making a donation right now for the uh, week of giving. Of course, that valid, that coupon valid through April 30th. So get involved on that. Also, everyone who donates is going to get an exclusive uh, vintage collection of UGA embroidered patches. Uh, that's a really cool thing there as well. Great collectible item. So please get involved. Website you see on your screen, but I'll read it for our podcast radio audience. It's Calling All Dogs. Of course, dog spelled D-A-W-G-S. CallingAllDogs.UGA.edu. One more time, CallingAllDogs.UGA.edu for more information on that. There were a lot of big-time freshman performers at G-Day on Saturday, a lot of recruiting news, including the Kamari Wilson stuff that we mentioned off the top of the program. So special guest for us on Wednesday ahead of his show tonight before the Hedges presented by Kroger. Let's talk to Jeff Sintel right now. and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. Say hello to Jeff Sintel, who was uh, between the hedges on Saturday for G-Day and also joins us here on a different day than normal here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. But what a great day to have him on. Jeff, I said this off the top of the program that when you see you know all the buzz that's out there you really get the sense it's going to be a very very interesting fun engaging summer for georgia recruiting observers with big time visits taking place uh, georgia really in the mix for as long a list of elite prospects as i can remember at any time under kirby smart and i guess i'll begin with you where i began on today's show on instagram on twitter the five-star safety kamari wilson has been very aggressive in kind of showing off some uga stuff as of late not the only school that he's recently touted i'll obviously acknowledge that in fairness here but boy there's a lot out there about georgia and wilson right now what do you make of all of that yeah yeah brandon hey good morning and happy wednesday uh i guess i would say encouraging encouraging those would be the the words for those that are near and dear to uh dog nation and those that follow your program there's a couple of sly things to notice about this you see I think when he tweeted it out, it's one of those things that everybody, and also posted on his IG, got everybody wondering, like, is this a commitment question mark? And then people were making those comments, and that was that lovely online chatter you like, Brandon. But then here's what I thought was sly. He drops the, the boss moves edit, and then all of a sudden he starts saying nice things about all the other schools he likes too. But he started that communication chain off with a Georgia-centric um, graphic and edit and IMG kid, Brandon, we know how those tend to work out at Georgia. Five-star safety, serious interest there from both schools. I mean, really, Kamari Wilson's name has been probably a hot a hot topic for the 2022 class for about four or five weeks now, at least. Yeah, it really seems to be that way. And it's kind of cool, some of the other edit stuff that, that Georgia's put out there lately. You know, they don't shy away from touting the – Really, I mean, Georgia's done very well at IMG Academy. If you had to pick one school to do well at, that'd be a that'd be a school that you certainly would want to uh, to, to you know have some inroads when it comes to Carroll and Nolan and Warren Brinson and you know Georgia has done really well down there at IMG Academy. And you know when you see some of the other stuff that other guys are you know kind of sharing on social media, uh, Georgia is is clearly bragging about the fact that they feel like they've got a IMG to UGA pipeline going here. Yeah, I think that's fair, Brandon. I think it's more than fair. I would say Georgia's batting average for an IMG kid that they really want and they roll their sleeves up for, I think it's probably like 80 85%, especially those five-star top 100 names where, where Georgia really grinds for it. I think 
first of all, Brandon, it, it's absurd how much talent they have at that school. Uh, case in point, there's going to be a weekend in June where I think the number is now up to six. six just six players from IMG in town on official visits. Now, now stop and think for that for a second. Yeah. There, there are six players on that team, and probably that's why they're defending national champions finally, that are, that are good enough in the same class uh, to, to play for a, you know, college football, I guess we'd call them a super league type program. Like, uh, since that's the Vogue term this week, um, the super conference t- leagues that are good enough to play for Georgia. And they're all in visiting on officials on the same weekend. It's kind of staggering. I've talked to some other commitments and other targets in the 2022 class, and they really can't believe that. And like you said earlier, Brennan, that whole month of June, I'll, gi- I'll give you a, a little, little, little tiny sliver of a deep, dark secret that most recruiting reporters, especially the ones that get up before 9 a.m., uh, they feel about visits. Now, of course, visits haven't happened in forever, so that will be a treasure trove of story uh, for the time being. But, but really, this simple recruiting visit story except for maybe the one we posted this morning on Dog Nation about an elite receiver. The simple recruiting visit story is a really dry, dry piece of content. The, the visit goes well. There are certain things they do. Unless they're handling live snakes or on scavenger hunts or on the slip and slide with Kirby and uh, elbowing up with the head coach as everybody's spinning around, most of these are going to go well. They're going to be excited about something. They're going to feel like family. They can't wait to get back again. But it's just going to be bonkers in June, Brandon, where nobody ever – it was almost a health deterrent. Nobody would ever want to take five official visits in a row mm-hmm. or four official visits in a row in a month's time. But now everybody wants to do it, man. It, it is crazy how everybody's going to just supersize their recruiting process into one month because everybody's so doggone scared that it's going to be taken away from them again. So let me ask you kind of a big-picture question here for a moment. I would say that the lack of visits for the 2021 cycle changed the destination for a few recruits. As just a quick, simple example here, Alabama may have signed the greatest class of all time. Somehow I'm guessing the fact that people couldn't take visits helped Alabama there. Uh, Why not just go to the national champion, you know, type program if you're not sure what to do georgia as a for instance went from being kind of a national recruiting program to dominating in-state my guess is the inability to host visitors things like that caused georgia to pivot a little bit too we have players maybe at schools that they otherwise wouldn't have been in because of how weird the 2021 recruiting cycle ended up being. So now that we go to 2022 and we're about to have visits again, and in some cases these are guys that really haven't taken a lot of visits. 2021 guys at least visit a lot of places their junior year. There's some 2022 guys that just haven't done a ton of visits as, as of yet. How much do you think the door that's about to be opened up for official visits, things like that, how much do you think it's going to change what eventual destinations otherwise would have been, if at all? So there's a lot of things there, Brandon, to unpack. The first one for me is this is the immediate thing, is this is going to be a really dry season for, for recruiting for the next maybe month and a half or so. What I mean is nobody's going to commit now uh, when they're so close to getting their visits, or if they do, they're still going to take their visits. So that's going to be a, a very dicey situation. Yeah. What you said about the 2021 class is true. I would think Georgia might even have a, a different set of starting corners for the Clemson game uh, this September. Yeah. Had, 20, had 2021 visits 
um, still been in effect, you can start thinking about, you know, painful names like Tony Grimes or maybe Terry and Arnold. Uh, I think those young men are just that good. But for, for me, I think a lot of kids, and this is what I've gotten feedback from parents and coaches and a lot of people about, is in 2021, a lot of people made a great choice for their decision, but perhaps it wasn't the best choice. A lot of people, like you were inferring there, they went with the brand name of Alabama. They know they'd be straight. Now everybody knows they've got a, a safety net underneath them in terms of the one-time transfer rules. So it was kind of kind of risk-free signing and committing for a lot of these guys. Now in 2022, the other thing that's happening, it's not just the kids, it's the schools. I think everybody that's, you know, aside from, you know, the amazing prospects like a Walter Nolan or Shamar Stewart, guys like that, the top 15, top 25, top 30 guys, no one really wants to take a commitment right now when they're so close to getting uh, face-to-faces. And this is on the coach's side, the program side, when they're so close to getting those in-person evals where they can verify heights, they can verify length, um, they can just see what they look like and see their bodies. Nobody is really wanting to add to their classes right now when finally there's the light at the end of the tunnel where they can get some real good um, previous style, more comfortable style evaluations. On the same side of that coin, Brendan, I think a lot of these schools also took players that they felt fit a profile, fit what they wanted from limited film and no evaluation. I think there was a lot of maybe uh, a lot of maybe 80, 85 uh, percent compatibility ratings on both sides they went ahead and signed and committed and sealed the deal that's why 2022 is going to be so crazy i mean these players uh, these players are going to see so much in so short a time i remember tyler booker laughing and talking about there's no way he's going to maintain his his felt 323 pound frame by eating all this food on all these upcoming official visits because everybody's going to pack the calories on him i mean it really is going to be something and this is not just for um, hyperbole or anything like this. This is really something that someone in my business has never seen before when you've got this many people heading into Athens concentrated in just one month. So I love the story that you wrote about the friendship that Jalen Walker, recent UGA commit, Malachi Starks, recent UGA commit, have kind of formed with each other. And Jeff, I'm sure you probably know where I'm going with this. This reminds me so much of the magnetic personalities that we've seen be catalysts for UGA recruiting classes of the past. I think about MJ Sherman a couple of cycles ago. Obviously, Richard LeCount may and forever be the gold standard for that for the 2017 class, that when you are a kind of you know, young man that other young men want to spend time around, it just makes it a lot easier to put together elite recruiting classes. And I don't know Walker personally, but I've certainly been impressed with what I've seen from interviews from him. And the same thing is true for Malachi Starks there as well. The fact they form a bond quickly with each other to me suggests they're also going to be pretty good at forming bonds with the other kinds of players that Georgia fans hope to see as part of this 2022 cycle. Do you agree with that? I do. Uh, And those two, I thought it was highly interesting how they were basically comparing notes on uh, Georgia and Clemson in the whole month of March in the lead-up to their decisions. Malachi was telling Jalen how he felt. Jalen was sharing with him how, how what he was going through his mind. And they, those guys kind of both put together their decisions or maybe some final authority, uh, some final, you know, really good verification on their decisions uh, by just the, the, those chats with one another. And I think that's just only going to grow. Uh, really quickly, one thing about that Jalen Walker story, if you guys haven't read it yet out there, is here's a quick public service announcement. It doesn't matter which school or which team you're, you, you favor. 
if you see a big-time recruit and his family on campus and you think for a second, would they really like it if I welcomed them and said hi and say welcome to Athens or welcome to uh, universityville.com or whatever, or just welcome to insert your school campus name here? They really like that. Now, I'm not suggesting become IG friends and go on Facebook and take 19 selfies with them, but they really like that. It's part of the experience right now where it was so crucial because Georgia couldn't host, so you saw Dog Nation hosting them, those guys. Uh, Jalen told me a story about he was looking in a in another store. I think he was trying to get some more Georgia gear, Brandon. There you go. Kind of all that really all that really cool stuff that you rock on your program. But uh, someone noticed Mama Walker, Mother Walker, Lashika Walker in Chick-fil-A, and they proceeded to say, hi, how are you doing? Welcome. You're that, you're that great family from North Carolina. They knew that Walker and his family were going to be in town, and right, they were kind of floored by it. And I think stunned, I think taken aback in a great way. That's how they felt for their first trip uh, into Athens town, man. Uh, for those folks out there that said, you know, did the thought bubbles in their head and said, would the recruit like it if I just said welcome and glad to see you, glad to have you here? Uh, that was a positive for the Jalen Walker family because they really felt an outpouring of love. Yeah, let me just say for the recruits who were lucky enough to get tickets and be there on Saturday in kind of, you know, unusual times where you're not able to host those visitors as of yet i can't imagine they wouldn't have a good time i mean the weather was beautiful on saturday uh the downtown scene after the game and really i think during the game there as well for a lot of folks who couldn't get in the stadium was just you know the way that you would want it to be perfect i'm sure that it was so i'm not surprised to hear they were warmly welcomed not surprised to hear they were having a good time i thought the vibe and the scene around athens on saturday was so much fun and really 180 degrees different than some of the stuff from the season last year. It was just really great to see. Everybody was out. You know, like, Brandon, I don't know about you, but when I haven't been to Athens for a while, I kind of I kind of take a trip and try to hit some of the local landmarks and see what's changed. And, I mean, this is an off-topic thought, but I was floored by the retail department store giant, which we will not name, that now has a location in downtown Athens. I thought that was crazy. You're driving by downtown, and you see that right across from the arches. It's just, just more of the things that are changing uh, for Georgia since I think a lot of people have last been inside Sanford Stadium. All right, let me finish with this. One of the pieces of content we always love from you is the freshman report, guys that you've covered on the recruiting trail, now getting a chance to do really some of their first action there at UGA. And obviously you've got a piece on upcoming here this week at dognation.com looking at some of the guys who kind of got involved uh, G-Day on Saturday. I'll, I'll just give you the floor to kind of take this where you want to go. What did you make of those? And, and this is one of those weird years in which it's sort of hard to define You know what a freshman even is just given the fact that we've got extra years of eligibility and things like that. But for those first and second year players in the program who had a chance to play more than we're used to seeing them play, what did you make of what you saw on Saturday? Yeah, Brandon, it's funny you chuckled about that. You brought a smile to my face when you did because that's exactly some of that first part of the story. It's kind of like, what is a freshman now for dummies or something like that? Because, I mean, some folks need to go to remedial classes, and I'm sitting here needing all my fingers and toes and everything to count up all the guys that could be freshmen now. I mean, really, the way I have to look at it, Brandon, are those that have a minimum of three more years of eligibility left yeah. at Georgia after this season. And folks are like, okay, what does that mean? Well, that's anybody in 2021 that's new um, that's signed for this season and is on campus for this season. Uh, and, you know, side road here, man, as great as Georgia looked, they still got four more guys with that 2021 class that, that still needs to show up, and two, including two guys I think will be 
quickly among the top 10, top 11 offensive linemen on the program and Dylan Fairchild and Jared Wilson. Yeah. But then you've got all these guys and you've got, okay, so anybody that played in 2020, even, even a Jermaine Burton, he's considered a freshman because they get that bonus year. Now, nobody thinks Jermaine Burton's going to need four more years in Athens the way he played last fall. But the, the thought remains that that's all possible. What is also possible is anybody that signed in 2019 that played four games or less in 2019 because they still have a red shirt, then they get their bonus year, and then they could technically still be considered a freshman or a red shirt freshman because of these weird rules. I don't know whether college football as a whole will start with all those graphics that pop up in game and they go, okay, he's a second year, he's a third year, he's a fourth year, and they're going to start dropping asterisk on everything. But, Brendan, I'll tell you, it was staggering when I looked at the starting lineups for the red team and the starting lineups for the black team and compared all those numbers and counted up just how many guys could be considered a freshman. Let me drop some air quotes around that for this 2021 season. Yeah, boy, Jeff, I I think that's really fun to think about. This um, it's it's certainly daunting to try to you know make sense of, but there's a lot of young players in this program who have a chance to make a, a big mark on the program here this year. Jeff, I look forward to reading more from you about that at DogNation.com. I know you got some great things coming on that, and of course we look forward to uh, speaking to you and back in your normal spot maybe next week on a uh, Friday. But uh, Jeff, uh, perfect day here today to get some recruiting info from you. Just coming on the heels of a uh, big weekend there for G Day and everything that's coming up after that. So thanks for your time. Yeah, Brandon, quick plug here for the story that went up this morning on Raymond Cottrell. I know how you feel about receivers, Brandon. And I wrote this, and I was like, what has happened to Georgia football? This is a top 70 overall prospect, the nation's number 12 receiver. And he says Georgia throws the ball a lot. They develop wide receivers. They score a lot of points. And he thinks Georgia is the offense now that he associates with a brand name for a big-time receiver to go to. That's what seeing JT Daniels, like you gushed about earlier, JT Daniels, Beck, Stetson Bennett, and Brock Vandegrift is going to do for that program. They're going to make that offensive attack. They're going to make that passing game look a whole lot more sporty and robust for all these name-brand receivers, the kind that usually go to Clemson and LSU and Ohio State and Alabama. Now those guys are going to put BDIs on Georgia as well. And just really quick here, since you brought it up, I have not had a chance to read that story yet, I'll admit it, Um, but – how big a change that is right I mean you know what, what you're hearing from Cottrell right there is just such, such a diametrically opposed you know viewpoint compared to what we've heard before where guys like Jaden Hazelwood or Rick Gilbert would have had real skepticism about how they'd be used in the Georgia offense I mean in the case of Cottrell here Jeff that to me sounds like real substantial evidence that the brand the image associated with UGA on that side of the ball is really evolving and I I, I think it's evolving in a great way here. Brennan, I think you might drop kick Eddie the Blind Squirrel out of your studio if I ever write the story about a five-star running back saying, I want to see the football on the ground at the <laughs> University of Georgia. <laughs> I think you might do that. Uh, yeah, Jeff, great stuff. Thanks for being with us on the show here today. All right, guys. Have a good week. Take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, my guess is we'll probably look at that more uh, tomorrow because, you know, that's what you want to see. I say this all the time, that when it comes to the what's actually happening in a program, the recruits are always the first to know because even in kind of pandemic world, they're still invited into the inner workings of a program in the way that the rest of us are just not. They get a chance to open the hood and look underneath and see what's really going on. And, you know, a lot of us have kind of wanted Georgia to be uh, undertaking an offensive evolution for a number of years now. 
but there were other recruits. You know, I don't, you hate to sometimes bring up names of guys that chose to go elsewhere because sometimes fans don't really like that. But it is important to kind of know how he got here. There were other big-time recruits, guys who want to catch the football, who just simply didn't believe they were going to be able to do that at Georgia. And the results on the field in some of those years, unfortunately, kind of spoke for themselves in terms of the fact that maybe those recruits are kind of onto something, that Georgia just wasn't quite ready to do that as of yet. But when Jeff is quoting a big you know, prospect in the class of 2023 saying, no, nah, listen, this is a place that's, that's getting the football delivered to these receivers now, once again, the recruits are the first to know. A lot of the media hasn't quite caught up to this yet, that maybe Georgia is going to be a high-powered passing attack. But apparently those who are invited to see the inner workings of a program, uh, like the elite recruits of the class of 2022 and 2023, apparently they are noticing the evolution occurring. I, I think that's a really good thing. We've got an SEC through coming up. We're going to get a lot of SEC news here. Let me also give a shout out to my friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia who can help equip your house with energy efficient windows and doors. That's important. It can increase the resale value of your home possibly. It can help save you money on your energy bills because you keep that energy inside the house where you want it to go. They also offer you free, no pressure consultation about all the installation options available to you. They're a nationally known company. That means unparalleled resources, family-owned branch right here in Georgia. That means unrivaled service. All the things you get from Pella Window and Door of Georgia. You can also get great savings as well. Uh, 10% off your entire project right now or 0% APR for 24 months. A couple easy ways to get in touch. Website, as you see it on your screen there, for those of you watching on video, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Or give them a call, 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Pella Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. So you may remember on yesterday's show, we were talking about uh, one of the gambling guys that's kind of fairly active on Twitter, talking about the SEC teams that have the most and the least returning starters. And the team in the SEC that has the most returning starters for the upcoming year is Arkansas, according to what Brad Powers said. 19, I think, returning starters. And we referenced that Sam Pittman had gone on the Feinbaum show recently and was talking about how happy he felt, how comfortable he was with the vibe around his team as they concluded spring practice. And I kind of joined in on some of that saying, hey, you kind of wonder, you know, is this one of those games on the Georgia schedule that end up feeling a little more dangerous than it looks right now because of the experience that Arkansas brings back to go along with continuity of the coaching staff and things like that. And then you're reminded in college football of just how quickly things can change because on the heels of some feel-good stuff related to Arkansas 24 hours ago, we now find out via Twitter that Mike Woods, deep threat wide receiver for the Hogs, has put it out there that he is now entering the transfer portal. Uh, Woods put this out on Twitter. We'll show you the tweet on the screen from him. Going on to give you the kind of you know typical thank yous that recruits give, you know, based on a couple of the different messages that Woods has put out there, I certainly don't get the impression that he's somehow mad at Pittman or unhappy at Arkansas. Frankly, he's been fairly complimentary of the coaching staff there. It sounds like he just wants a different opportunity. So once again, for Arkansas, things can ch kind of change here pretty quick. But the other thing that you're kind of left to uh, think about here with Woods is, you know, we've seen almost all the conferences in college football do away with their ban on intra-conference transfers and any kind of sit out on that the sec is a hold out on that for right now and you can take that down now but the sec is a hold out on that for the moment but you kind of wonder given what woods brings to the table here uh let's look at his stats from a year ago they played in 10 games had 32 catches uh, he averaged more than 19 yards per catch found the end zone five times um 
Uh, this is a guy that can help a team. 619 yards receiving all the way around. This is a guy who can help an SEC team. Man, unless you think about it. <laughs> you know, Georgia got a couple scholarships to uh, play with here. Uh, you think, you know, defensive back, maybe if Georgia's looking at portal stuff, that they're still maybe looking at a veteran cornerback for a certain spot. But but who knows? Who knows what may happen with a guy like Mike Woods in the future here? My guess is there'll be a number of SEC teams who are at least kicking the tires on what a guy like that maybe has, has the ability to do because the one thing that he does seem to do really really well is run fast run long run deep and obviously being able to blow the top off a defense like that is kind of an interesting thing to think about I thought that Lane Kiffin the Ole Miss coach had an interesting statement as well going back the last couple of days as you start to look ahead to the Grove Bowl coming up here about the value of spring games in the SEC and I've said this a number of times I'm really grateful that Georgia still treats the spring game as as if it matters someplace around college football don't quite seem to do that as as much anymore and I don't know that they're important but I think they are fun and so I'm glad that Georgia still has one because it gives us a chance to get together at Sanford Stadium it gives it recruits a chance to come in and see what's going on with the program I'm glad that Georgia still treats its spring game like a big deal and I thought Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin had an interesting statement here this week in terms of why he cares about spring games and he said if anything it's a chance to see how players who have been practicing away from the watchful eye of in most cases fans and media do they get nervous when you dial that up a notch and I think that's probably a fairly accurate I think we've even heard Kirby Smart say things like that a little bit over the time there as well of it's just a little bit different environment you got tv cameras there on the sideline although admittedly probably few of those fewer of those for the SEC network on Saturday than we're used to but more fans in the stadium than you ever have for a scrimmage or anything like that and there's just that opportunity for that extra little butterfly to kind of pop up in your stomach or anything related to that and Lane Kiffin says that's what he thinks that spring games the value they provide and I'm guessing for Georgia it's very much the same thing either way it's the kind of thing that I'm glad to see certain schools in the SEC working hard to preserve Georgia being one of them will make that your SEC through and I'll also tell you this for more sec talk this afternoon please don't forget to tune in on the sec country video channels whether it's sec country on facebook sec country live on youtube we'll do sec country live this afternoon at 3 p.m eastern time so many of you have been so nice in kind of celebrating that show's return and being a part of that with us. I really appreciate all of you who have uh, chosen to do that. It's been a lot of fun talking SEC more than just Georgia, although we do talk some Georgia each and every day there. Uh, but more than just Georgia, talking about everything going down with the SEC, that's been a really fun thing to be able to do. So I'll see you 3 p.m. this afternoon for SEC Country Live on the SEC Country video channels. Uh, looking forward to being able to do that with you. What's well, not quite as much fun but sometimes you have to do is address a little bad news for uga athletics this was breaking just as we were kind of coming on the air yesterday morning severe wheeler a georgia point guard has decided to do a couple things here enter the nba draft but also put his name in the transfer portal i think the assumption is that wheeler will not get drafted so it's looking like he's going to be playing his college bout ball here somewhere else uh next season and I just got to tell you, I just don't quite know what to do with this. I'm not trying to sidestep the opinion here. I just, I, you know, I'm going to let people more educated on the subject than me kind of weigh in on this. I mentioned this on the radio this morning when I was on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. I can't quite tell if the 
glut of players leaving Georgia and, the, and really the biggest names in the team, the Severe Wheelers and the Katie Johnsons and the Tamani Kamaras. I can't tell if this is a problem that's specific with UGA, uni- unique to the circumstances that are happening in Athens, or if a lot of this is related to the I think really unfortunate trend across the sport. We're heading towards a total of upwards of 2,000 names in the basketball transfer portal. I don't think that's a good thing. I think it's bad for the sport. And as I've told you before, I think it's actually bad for the players in the sport because I think that kind of instability in their own college lives is not going to end up being a good thing for them. And, you know, I think that it probably threatens the next generation of players who kind of want to take advantage of that NCAA Division One basketball opportunity. And all this movement, I think, kind of calls some of the stability of the sport in, in, into question. But you're obviously you know, kind of left to wonder, you know, is Georgia creating the kind of environment, the atmosphere that guys like this feel like they can thrive? And I just don't quite know the answer to it. I will say though, I know it's a lot. I know it's very disappointing for dog fans that you learn who these guys are, you you grow to uh, to you know appreciate aspects of their game, and now they're gone. That's disappointing, especially after Georgia just had a pretty nice collection of guys that added from the transfer portal. And you start thinking about how do those pieces pair with what Georgia already has, and you find out a guy like Wheeler, who was pretty clearly the nucleus of Georgia's team, the expect expected to be for the upcoming season, that he's now leaving as well. I certainly understand why UGA fans are disappointed about this i'm just not really quite sure what the answer that's supposed to be on a much happier note at least in game one of the doubleheader we will celebrate the uh, georgia women's softball team in fact here as part of our gator hater roll call we'll make the uga softball team our golden shoe winner for today for a very very impressive win against oklahoma last night in game one of their doubleheader uh game goes nine innings the dogs get the seven six win here Jaden fields was uh, a big factor in that including driving in the winning run there oklahoma came in at, with a 40 game winning streak so um the program that also holds the nation's longest winning streak in football had a 40 game a winning streak in uh softball last night georgia got the win there did not win game two of the doubleheader but uh really a very impressive showing there in game one we'll make the softball team the golden shoe winner for today uh diamond dogs also got a win last night against clemson in extra innings that was a lot of fun to be able to do so a lot going on with uga athletics right now and by the way speaking of the lousy stinking gators gator hater countdown dogs back in jacksonville 192 days from right now getting some revenge against those lousy stinking gators we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by harris cherokee casino resort and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down glad to have you with us we'll make this kind of quick but i do want to give you a chance to have your comments here don't forget rs andrews brings it all to you air conditioning heating plumbing electric you can find them online they show up on time they do the work that's promised for the price that's promised and then get your air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs. I'll take a couple couple comments here. I got an interesting tweet uh, from our good buddy. Let me find this. I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, Mr. Hodel on Twitter saying that he's more of a Dog Nation Daily podcast listener than a video YouTube watcher. He says, but I did catch the replay this afternoon. And he mentioned the fact that he had never seen the stuff we have on our desk, like the McDonald's bag to mock Tennessee, our golden shoe trophy. It actually does exist. It sits right here on the desk. Eddie, the unofficial mascot of Dog Nation Daily on there as well. It kind of got me wondering how many of you have only listen to the show you've never seen any of the video whatsoever now listen the podcast was our original platform it's always going to be the kind of one that i probably have the most i guess um sentimental relationship with i love doing the podcast every day it was what my initial dream for all this really was so i'm always somewhat partial to the podcast audience but you know 
obviously a lot of folks have at least seen some of the show now on video even if it's only clips on social media i'm kind of curious just about how many folks out there really have only listened to the show and have not seen any of the video whatsoever kind of interesting stuff from mr hodel there on that also on our comment section dognation.com jim dog 85 pointing out there that it was a g day on saturday and thought the mere speed looked really good says the long pass d rob notwithstanding however the front seven is truly elite like jt daniel said and going to cover up a lot for those defensive backs that they find their groove he says the clemson offensive line is going to have their hands full in the season opener i think that's absolutely 100 percent true and uh, I just really can't wait uh, to see how all that plays out. And I agree with you about Amir Speed. I, I think that Speed uh, has a chance to be a guy capable of playing for Georgia. He's certainly got the size quotient going on there. And, you know, I thought he you know, showed you some nice things maybe in the bowl game at the end of uh, last year. So, uh, yeah, he did kind of give up the touchdown on the long play to D-Rob. I still think D-Rob may have pushed off a little bit. But I do have some expectations for Amir Speed this year. Jim also mentions when we're coming back to the Dunwoody Marlows again. I had dinner there the other night and remembered some of the great times we used to have there with the Dog Nation team. I hope we can start to do those again soon. Yeah, me too, Jim. Really hopeful that this year brings back some of those live events again. I can't wait to do that. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And I obviously have a great time talking to all of you as a part of our uh, R.S. Andrews podcast cool down here both on Twitter, at Dog Nation Daily, and for those of you that put your comments in the comment section at dognation.com. I really appreciate you being a part of it. I'm going to say goodbye to you for now. Don't forget to check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. Uh, tomorrow, once again, for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. We'll look forward to seeing you then, everybody.